0: I've never been asked, and I'm not asking somebody to ask me. I've never been asked to give a commencement uh, speech, ever. I've been pastor for 19 years. Do you think somebody would call me up and say, well, you, you know? You, we think you're. We should give a speech. Yeah, go. You can give me ah." Uh. So I thought. I decided. Well, I'm the senior pastor here, and and if I want to give a commencement speech, I'll just give one. This morning, I am, but it's really called a sermon. Uh, Because now I just have two seniors here left, and and really they've already heard it. And so, but actually the way the Lord showed me to do this, he said, you know, commencement is a really cool word. And I know, Pam, you like to do word studies, don't you? You know, in commencement, when you start, you look at the definition of commencement, one of the words are synonyms for it. One of them is Genesis, New Beginnings, Start, uh, Launch. A threshold it's 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 about a new beginning in life it's a new stage in life and so that's why it's called a commencement because uh, you're commencing forward to, to do something new in your life or to begin something new in your life and so my, my thought was isn't that the privilege of every believer that every day we have a new beginning that his mercies are new every morning right uh, it says in, in scripture it says uh, that we are, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, right? So we have this this newness about us every morning. When you wake up, you may not think that way, especially if you've had a rough night. You haven't slept good. You might wake up and say, oh, man, another day's here. and Or you can wake up going, hey, another day's here. God's given me another day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We have these choices. Our life is just full of choices. And so, as God was laying this on my heart to preach, He said, "I want you to focus on the word lunch, launch, L A U N C H, not lunch, which we'll have shortly." But we're going. We're going. To, he, he talked. He said. He said, "I want you to focus on this word launch." And then He took me to the story of of Peter when he was a fisherman before he became before he was called by Jesus to be a disciple. One day he was he and he and, you know, he was in business with John and James and John and they had a, a fishing business And but Peter they were all they were through they'd fished all night And i've been in the sea of galilee and it's really cool And it's big and they'd fished all night and they were at the shore and they were just washed clean to the nets getting ready To put things up so they could get ready for the next night of fishing Well, jesus happened to be teaching that day and he was walking along and everywhere he went He was gathering in a crowd ruben the man everybody just wanted to be around jesus I mean the anointing was always strong, right? So they wanted to be around Jesus and because of the crowd, he said, I need to get I want to get in a boat and I need oh, I'll just launch out a little bit. That way more people can see me and hear me. So he sees Peter cleaning out, cleaning up his nets. He said, Hey, can I get in your boat? Can I teach from your boat? And Peter, I'm sure, you know. I'm 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 busy. Go ahead and use the boat. So he gets out and he teaches in the boat, and then he gets through teaching, and then he tells Peter a really strange thing. He says this in John it's in Luke chapter five. If you want to go back and read the whole story today. That's really kind of paralleling what i'm preaching on in luke 5 verse 4 jesus says this launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch now he didn't say let down your nets maybe you'll catch something did he he said if you'll launch out in the deep you will catch fish you're gonna he said i want you to do uh, just do what i said to do now peter had a choice right And his response was a typical fisherman's response to a guy that was a teacher and a carpenter's son he said What do you know about fishing? I've been fishing all night. He didn't actually say that. I made that up. He said, I've been fishing. We've been fishing all night. We have not caught one fish. So, what do you think he could do? Uh, I think we'll just go home. We'll ignore Jesus. No, he said, Hey, if you say it, and I think it's because of what Jesus carried, he said, If you say it, we'll do it. And because of that, he went out. They launched. I mean, they, they launched their nets into the into the deep water, and he, Jesus told them exactly where to. I mean, because He created the fish anyway. can you just imagine Jesus going, "Okay, fish, it's your time." <laughs> okay, <laughs> and they just like like Nemo, you know? They show up, <laughs> and then they just show up and they jump in the net. I mean, it's probably the easiest fishing they ever did. And they caught so many fish that they had to call James and John, "Bring your boat, hey guys, we this is good." They had to bring their boats over and they filled their nets up. And it says they're almost, they were so full that they were starting to break. Now, what does Peter do in the midst of all that? He falls down to the boat. He, I'm sure he's just overwhelmed by the presence of God. He says he recognized Jesus was somebody more than just a rabbi. He said, Father, he said, Jesus, he said, get away from me. I am a sinful man. I, I don't deserve you to be in my boat. You've done something amazing for me, but I don't deserve it. And Jesus said, Peter you have no clue what I've got in store for you. So one of these days, you're not going to be catching fish, anymore. you're going to be catching people for the kingdom of God. So this morning, I want you to understand that this is a new day for all of us. Some of you have let dreams die. Some of you have dropped the ball on, on your destiny. Some of you just said, you know, I'm just going to try to exist until God calls me home. I'm just going to try to tread water. And God says, that's not my plan for you. Now you can you can choose what you want to do, but he says, I want you to choose me. See, I've been talking about this for like three weeks. God will not let me off of this destiny thing, this inheritance thing. Because God is saying we have got He's got a destiny for everybody here. Not just a few of you. And some of you go, Well, he can't use me. Yes, he can. He created you for such a time as this. So this is what I want you to do this morning. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to hear the music, okay? You got your cap and gown on? Okay, go ahead and make sure you got your cap on straight. Everybody, y'all, put your hat on. Make sure your gown's good, okay? And just pretend. Use your God-given imagination. He gives an imagination. And you're at graduation. (laughs) That's right on cue. I didn't even ask him for that. So you're sitting there, you're waiting for the speeches to be over, the commencement, and you're a little bit afraid. What am I gonna do the rest of my life? Or you're a little bit confident. Hey, I've got it all figured out. You're a little bit anxious. I wonder if this happens or that happens, how my life's gonna turn out. These choices that I'm about to make, the college, the person I'm gonna marry, the 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 job i'm to take the place i'm to live all these decisions okay you can open your eyes because when we talk about what god has in store for us his his, his goal for us is really a constant promotion he doesn't want us to stay where we were yesterday he wants us to constantly be promoted and i'm not talking necessarily the physical and maybe i'm talking about in the spiritual realm he's always wanting us to grow He's always wanting us to mature. And you hear that from this pulpit. Every time I step in the pulpit. pretty much I challenge you to grow. I challenge you to mature. I challenge you to not stay in the same old, same old place that you were. To get out of the rut maybe that you found yourself in. Because God says, I've given you a new life. You're a new creation. All the old, all the past failures, all the disappointments, they're gone don't let them dictate your future start stepping into your destiny today so as i was contemplating what to preach from to uh, do my initial commencement speech the lord said go to ecclesiastes because the wisest man that ever lived wrote that book god gave him that wisdom his name was solomon king solomon he was the son of king david and, and you read in the book of king i think it's first kings when when god came to him in a dream and said solomon what would you like what would you like me to give you you you, you asked me something and i'll give it to you and and of all the things he could have asked for he asked for wisdom he didn't ask for money he didn't ask for for uh, 100 wives he didn't ask for anything you know we can, we ask for a lot of things don't we i, I just want uh, we can put it, put it out there, whatever we want to ask God for. I want a great job. I want I want to have security. I want to have financial freedom. I want all these things. And God said, what do you want, Solomon? And he said, I'll take wisdom. And because he had the, the best answer, God said, I'm not only going to give you wisdom. I'll give you everything else that you need to make it through life. And so he went on to write Song of Songs, which was in his youthful years when he was in love, you know. Love, love, love. Man, he just man, he was so in love, and he wrote this beautiful book about uh, about uh, in the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon in his youthful years. Then he get he got older, and he wrote the books of uh, he wrote many of the proverbs in the Book of Proverbs. He probably he wrote many, many, or most of all the proverbs that people quote all the time, and they're they're awesome, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. I mean, that's one of the great proverbs, right? He wrote those things. God put these things on his heart. But then we get to Ecclesiastes, which are in his latter years, his last years. And we find out that Solomon didn't probably take his own advice so much. How many of you have read through the book of Ecclesiastes? Man, it is one of the most depressing books in the Bible. And you're going to see that this morning. Man, he was like, woe is me, all is vanity, there's nothing new under the sun. He said, everything, life is a vapor, it's just like going up in smoke right before me. I've had this, I've had that, I've had pleasures, I've had wealth, I've had wine, I've had women, I've had song, I mean, whatever. I've had everything you could imagine, but it's just useless. It's all vanity. It's all just. It's all smoke and mirrors. There's no substance to all these things. And that's what he writes about for like 10 chapters. You know? There's a time for everything under the sun, everything. Time, time to be born, a time to die, mean, He just he goes on and on and on. And in the midst of all that, he will throw in some good things once in a while like a verse here and verse there about about God. But when it gets to the last or the la- the next to the last chapter, this is where he the Lord directed me because if we're going to be successful in our Christian life, we need to find out what Solomon said, "In the end of his life, was important. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes eleven. You know that's that is actually a Greek word from Ecclesia. Did y'all know that? Never thought about that. Ecclesia, which is what we call the assembly, and it also has been translated into a preacher, like Ecclesia in in the or." Ecclesiastes is the preacher so he refers to himself as the preacher now in the message which I want to be reading from He calls him he calls himself the quester and I don't know exactly why they chose the word quester But we're gonna I'll I'll let you know that he also means right there the preacher so he is a preacher He is a man of wisdom and he is a he is a scribe He is a prophet as he speaks this to the church and speaks it to us today. So I want to start at verse 7 in chapter 11 in the message. And I've got, we're gonna the name of the sermon is, is LAUNCH. I mean, it's, a, it's the acronym. We're going to use LAUNCH, okay? So it says, Oh, how sweet the light of day and how wonderful to live in the sunshine. Even if you live a long time, don't take a single day for granted. Now that you need to highlight if you have a Bible. I don't know what your translation says. But mine says, don't take a single day for granted. Take delight in each light-filled hour remembering that there will also be many dark days and that most of what comes your way is smoke or vapor. Temporary, doesn't last. Talked about that last week. Talked about that for the last three weeks. You know, we, we live in a, a lot of things that are around us that we, we deem are so important are just temporary. You know, the Bible, I mean, not the Bible, they say 80% of the things we worry about don't ever happen, whoever they is. Out of the, out of the things that you worry about, 80% of them actually never happen. So, so many things are temporary in our life or temporal in our life. But he says, don't take one single day for granted. So the first thing, the L in launch is for live. Say live. Live each day to the fullest. Is it carpe diem? Seize the, seize the day? Carpe diem? I just like seize the day. It just makes more sense to me to say seize the day. Carpe sounds like a fish. But live live life to the fullest. How many of us can truly say that every day you wake up and your plan is to live this day that's before you to the fullest? Probably most of us live each day according to what comes our way in that day. And we don't really think of the possibilities of the day sometimes. We don't think of the plan for the day. We don't think of how Holy Spirit wants to guide us for the day. We don't wake up and go, Holy Spirit, what do you, what do you got for me today? I want to live the fullest. I, want to, I don't want to take anything for granted. Not one conversation, not one encounter, not one, not one thing in this day. I, want, I, don't, I don't want to take it for granted. Listen, we have learned through this, this COVID-19 thing that we took things for granted. Right? I mean, how many of you ever thought before this happened, how many of you went, man, I get to go in H-E-B and nobody's going to stop me at the door? How many of you ever thought about that before the COVID-19? I Probably none of you. You probably did. You know what? I'm just going to, hey, honey, would you pick up some toilet paper? Sure. You probably didn't think, oh, honey, would you get there at 6 a.m. and stand in line for an hour to get some toilet paper because we need it so bad. Nobody thought about that. We, we took toilet paper for granted. And how many of you now don't take toilet paper for granted? <laughs> Boy, I don't. <laughs> Man, I like toilet paper. I think great invention. Uh, whatever, if you lived in that area where they used the Sears catalog, I don't know how you did it. I'm serious. <laughs> Catalogs, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, the first first L is the the first letter in launch is L, and it's for live. Think about Peter on that day if he had refused to go and do what Jesus told him to do. What if he had not seized that moment? Because that moment changed his life forever. That one moment when he said, okay, we'll do what you said. How many times has God said something to you and you said, okay, but not today. Okay, that's a great idea, God, but that's really not for me. Surely that's for my friend or for my husband or for my wife. And we said no to God. You know, Peter said no to God before. He denied him three times. Even, even after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and God showed him the sheet that dropped down from heaven, he said, no, no, no. It t- took him three times for him to get that. But how many times have we said no to God when we're supposed to say yes I want to live today to the fullest. And he said, well, if you're going to live today to the fullest, you need to say yes to what I'm about to tell you to do. Say yes. Living life to the fullest means living life full of Jesus. Living life to the fullest means living life full of Jesus. Apart from Jesus living in you and through you, you are not really living. You're just existing. And so many Christians just exist. They just go through the motions every day. And we miss these great opportunities because we're not living life to the fullest. Verse 9 says, You who are young, make the most of your youth. Relish your youthful vigor. Follow the impulses of your heart. If something looks good to you, pursue it. But know also that not just anything goes. You have to answer to God for every last bit of it. Left foot loose and fancy free. You won't be young forever. Young youth last about as long as smoke. <laughs> he keeps going back. Saying, man, you better make them. See, he's old when he's writing this. And all of us that are over 60 or 70 or 80, we've got a lot of wisdom. Right? You should listen to us. You should listen to me. I'm over 60. And I've lived life. I've lived a lot of life. We've lived a lot of life. You add up the years just... Right around here. we got lots of years. Hundreds. You should listen. Because I I know when you're 18, when you're 19, how many of you are under 20 in here this morning? You're under 20. Okay, I'm not sure. Honey. Mom, how old am I? Oh. Under 20. You know, you don't think about getting old. You don't think that there will be a day that you'll be 50 or 60 or 70. I, God just designed us that way. It's, it's a good thing, really. So it's a good thing he designed us not to be thinking about when we're going to get old. But now Solomon wants you to know you're going to get old someday and life isn't going to be the same. You're not going to have the same vigor that you always had. So the second the second thing at the A and launch is for answer because I know graduates and, and they're all most of them are gone. When you graduate, I can only imagine what you thought when you got out of the house. How many of you left the house after right after you graduated? you got away from your parents? And what was your thought in your mind? Come on, be honest. I'm free. I'm free falling. And you thought, man, I am free. I don't have to listen to my parents anymore, right? How many of you thought that? I don't have to answer to anybody. Nah, nobody. nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody, uh-uh. I'm free, right? And you found out pretty soon that that was not true. <laughs> because you had to answer to somebody. Always have to answer to somebody. What does bill say? You gotta serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the law, but you gotta serve somebody. You do. You have to answer somebody, Rayetta. You do. We all have to answer. You have to answer to your boss. You have to answer to your wife. You have to answer to your husband. You have to answer to you, to your teachers. You have to. But he says, "Listen, we have to answer to God. Ultimately, that's the whatever you do in life. Be sure that." whatever you're about to participate in or whatever your goal you're going after, whatever job you're going to pursue, whatever person God's putting you want to pursue, make sure that you check it with Jesus. Do the, if you've got to get one of those bracelets again that says WWJD, get one to remind you, God, is this okay? What would Jesus do in this situation? Because we're ultimately we answer to Him for every decision we make. We have to give an account, the Bible says, for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. Wow, that's going to be a big one, isn't it? We're going to be there a while. Every idle word that we speak. So he's saying, listen, if you're going to live life to the fullest, be sure that you know that you're going to answer to somebody. And if you're answering to God, then you're going to be staying on the course that God's mapped out for you. Amen? Jeremiah 33 three three says this, Call to me and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Listen, when we're running things by Jesus and we want the answers, Listen, he wants he's not he doesn't want to restrict you. In your dreams, in your purpose, in your in your destiny, he does not want to restrict us. Peter could have said, You know what, I think I just want to keep running my fishing business. And Jesus would have said, Okay, Peter, that's great. If that's what you want to do, that's your choice. But you're missing life if you miss me. Because listen, if you follow me, even though it's going to end up in your crucifixion upside down, you're going to live life like you've never lived it before. You're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. You're going to, you're going to preach to thousands and people are going to come to know me. And your, their eternal destiny is going to be because that day you didn't say, get out of my boat. You said, come on. And then when he said, follow me, you followed me. See what the difference in one choice can make, Pam? One choice. He could have said, no, we fished all night. We we hadn't caught a thing. Leave me alone. Or he could have said, yeah, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. Changes our destiny, guys. One choice. And you need to run these things by Jesus because we answer to him. First, and then move on to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Starting with verse 1. He says, honor and enjoy your creator. You know, it's a lot of people we don't really in, we think of God as Oh, He just wants to restrict me. He says, honor Him and enjoy your Creator while you're still young. Before the years take their toll and your vigor wanes, before your vision dims and the world blurs and the winter years keep you close to the fire. The third thing the 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 uh, you in launch is unwavering. Unwavering. He's saying don't let your, your vigor is going to wane at some point. As Christians... The Bible teaches us that we're not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, uh, by by crazy teachings, by by by. Um, well, there's so many cults out out there. There's so many different religions out there. The Bible says, "Don't to be don't be caught up in those." And to know which ones are right and which ones are wrong, you need to know the Word of God, right? You you really have to have an understanding of the Word of God. But when when you're focused on God and you're you're in His Word and you're you're going after God with everything that you have in your heart. And it's going to be really hard for you to waver. It's going to be really hard for you to, to lose course or get off track with God because he's always saying, if you keep your eyes on me, I will direct your paths, right? So we keep our eyes on him and we don't waver in our beliefs. We don't waver in, in our calling and we stay focused. And we, we arrive at the destination. One of these days we'll get to that shore. We'll get to that shore that God's destined for us to, 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 to get to. And I was thinking of this, about unwavering. When, when our daughter was, uh, she graduated from Central High School, and she said, Mom, Dad, I want to go to the University of Texas. Well, we thought we wanted to keep her here close to home so we could, you know, protect her. She's 5 feet, well, she's 4'11 and 3 quarters, maybe 5 feet. And, and she's petite, and, and we just thought, well, honey, why would you want to go to Austin's big city? You don't need, know anybody there. She didn't. We didn't have relatives there or anybody. And she said, "Well, but that's that's what I want to do. That's what I feel I'm supposed to do. That I've got some goals in life, and I'm going to go to UT." And we we finally relented and packed her up and took her to the dorm. Room and just cried all the way home, you know, left our baby of oh, there in this horrible city where their their theme is keep Austin weird, you know. And they've done a really good job of it. And speak things over your city, yeah, and. Uh, after about a year there, and, and what what blessed us is because the Bible says if you train up your child in the ways they should go, then when they're old, they'll not depart from it. We were always blessed because she would find a church home. She would go by herself. Nobody had, no friends would go with her. She had friends, but they weren't, hey, well, I don't have to go to church. I'm on my own. I'm free, right? Don't have to, I don't have to mind my parents anymore. She didn't. That wasn't in her in her thinking. She just knew she needed to be in church. She needed to be, be getting the word. And so after about a year there, I asked one day, I said, honey, uh, tell me about your experience at UT. She said, well, dad, she said, if I didn't know what I believed, there's no telling what I would believe. She said, there is every kind of crazy religion here and cult that you can imagine, and then some. She said, but if I didn't know that about Jesus, if I didn't know who he was, There's no telling what I believe. See, when we send our kids off and they go off and they get away from mom and dad, and and if you haven't raised them in an an environment where they're strong in their faith, they'll get away and then they'll find, oh, that sounds good, that sounds good, and they get this smorgasbord religion. They pick a little bit here and a little bit there and end up not believing anything worthwhile. So unwavering, if we're going to be unwavering in our faith, we've got to know what we believe. Now move on to verse 3. In old age, your body... Oh, this gets so good. In old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Some of the people are going, yeah, I know I know what that means. Muscles slacken, grip weakens, joints stiffen. The shades are pulled down on the world. You can't come and go at will. <laughs> you have to have somebody push you. <laughs> Things grind to a halt. The hum of the household fades away. Isn't he just so full of joy? You're awakened now by birdsong. I had to look that up. What does it mean? We're awakened by birdsong. That's not a good thing. That means you sleep. Your sleep is so bad that even the slightest chirp of a bird wakes you up. Okay. Hikes to the mountains are a thing of the past. You're even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Some of you like your parents. You don't want your parents to go out by themselves because you're not sure what'll happen to them. Your hair turns apple blossom white. Anybody apple blossom white? Well, sure, if you really knew, but nobody knows the real color of my hair, right? So we take care of that one. Adorning a fragile and impotent matchstick body. Yes, you're well on your way to eternal rest. I love this. It gets better. While your friends make plans for your funeral. That's that's a true friend. John Barrio was here in the first service. I said, John, I'm giving you a plug right here. You know, he's, he, he plans funerals, so... Gave him a plug, free plug. Life, lovely while it last, is soon over. Life as we know it is precious and beautiful. It ends. The body is put back in the same ground it came from. Now he says this is good. The spirit returns to God, which is the good thing, who first breathed it. But he says it's all smoke, nothing but smoke. The quester or the preacher says that everything is smoke. In other words, it's temporary. It's vapor. Now the, the next letter in launches in... And This letter stands for naysayers. Say naysayers. Y'all know what a naysayer is? Anybody know any naysayers? They're the most negative people you could ever be around. They're the they're dream killers what I call them Man, you 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 could be you could be excited about something and then you tell them about it and they're like, oh, that's just wrong I can't believe you'd even think that well I can't believe you'd want to even try that and they just want to kill your dreams Naysayers, they, they're like they're like Solomon here. Everything is woe is me, vanity, vanity, nothing new under the sun. Everything is just like vapor, it's like smoke. Nothing's good, you just need to plan your funeral today because you're going to die, you're going to get old, you're going to get worn out. And he's just negative, negative, negative. How many of you have no people that are negative like that and they've been in your life before? How many? Not many of them? Yeah, okay, be honest. And, and maybe you're a naysayer. And if you're a naysayer, I've got an I've got something for you to do, and that's called repent. Because the Bible says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue." We preach it all the time here. What we speak is important. What we declare is important. What we pray is important. And if you're speaking, if you're speaking negativity into somebody's life, you're a dream killer. You're a naysayer, and they, we don't need that. Somebody says, you know, God's given me this purpose. He wants me to do thus and so. He's given me this ministry. Well, you know, I tried that one time. It's really difficult. I don't know if you ought to try that. And we start telling them all the wrong things. See, naysayers usually speak out of their own experience of failure. That's what they do. And so if they fail, they figure you're going to fail too. And sometimes they actually get get a little uh, appeasement out of somebody else failing at something that they tried. In a sick kind of way. You know what I'm talking about? naysayers so if you're a naysayer repent if you know a naysayer and they're speaking in your life run away from them be like Forrest Gump just run Forrest, run get away from them don't let them don't let them have an inroad into your life because it's real easy to kill somebody's dreams sometimes all it takes is a word from somebody that they respect all it takes is one word and I've used this example before a young boy he's going he's in school He's trying really hard, and he gets a C on his in his in his in his grade. And his teacher comes up to him and says, "Well, son, you're not you're not college material. Don't even think about going to college." And some one 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 child that that's spoken to might say, "You know what, teacher? I can do better than that. I am going to college." But some people, whether where they have been conditioned in their mind, maybe at home. They receive that word, and that word gets planted in them, and it grows in them. And when there their possibility of them ever going to college is not even a thought, because the pe- teacher that they respected said you're not college material, and they that they're they're a dream killer. Parents are dream killers. Teachers are dream killers. Bosses are dream killers. Pastors can be dream killers. Your friends can be dream killers. But get away from the naysayers, or re- rebuke the word that they speak over you. Do that. Just you know what? I don't receive that. It's a negative word. God said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? Verse 9. Besides being wise himself, the quester or the preacher also taught others knowledge. He weighed, examined, and arranged many proverbs. The quester did his best to find the right words and write the plain truth. The words of the wise brought us to live well. They're like nails hammered home, holding life together. So he's getting into some good things here, okay? They're given by God, the one shepherd. That's a capital S. He's talking about Jesus prophetically there. But regarding anything beyond this, dear friend, go easy. There's no end to the publishing of books. And constant study wears you out so you're no good for anything else. Now, I was reading that and I thought, well, that didn't sound really good to say that to a bunch of graduates. You know, not, not, shouldn't read books. And But what he's talking about when you really do a, a, a study of that, he's saying be careful what you read. Be careful what you study. Because there are a lot of things you can get involved in that are not going to benefit your life one bit, not one iota. In other words, study to show yourself to prove you know, the Word of God and rightly dividing the Word of truth. Don't be ashamed of the Word of God. Study it. Break it down. Look at it. Do st- we have so many advantages today about uh, the ability to study the Word. I encourage you to study, the, to study the Word. So the fifth letter in launch is C. And this is choose Christ. Say choose Christ. In John 6, it's so funny, uh, this morning the video and Ron said, they were both in Philippians three fourteen. And then, then Latonia gets up here and she shares from John 6. Well, in my notes it says, In John 6, where Jesus told the multitudes, Eat flesh and drink blood, people left him in droves. And Jesus looked at his closest disciples and said, Okay, guys, what are y'all going to do? They're, they're, I'm talking about thousands of people left. He, you know, he's been feeding them fish and, and bread and they were like, we, cool. Jesus is cool. He's like a baker and a fisherman. He, he's a supplier of our needs. We're going to hang out with him. And then he said, okay, if you really want to follow me, then eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they said, eh, we like that other stuff, but we don't like that part. And so they just left. For he could even explain to them, I'm talking about a spiritual. I'm talking about a spiritual uh, eating and drinking. And so when they the droves left, all, the, all the, a lot of people that had been following him left, he looked at his disciples and said, Okay, guys, what, what do y'all want to do? You want Are you going to leave me too? And it was Peter, the one who got up out of the boat and followed Jesus Christ. It was Peter who said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, he said, I choose Christ. Solomon said, in the end, you really need to choose the shepherd if you're going to walk the walk, if you're going to live life to the fullest, if you're going to be successful in your life, choose Jesus Christ. In John 21, remember when after Peter had denied Jesus three times and he comes back out, Jesus has been resurrected, he's cooking breakfast, and he has the disciples gather around him, and he kind of takes Peter to the side because I know Peter was still, I think Peter was still a little bit discouraged even at that point just because of the way he answered Jesus. And he said, Peter, do you love me? I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. Should have been enough. Jesus said again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. You know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Third time, I think Peter was like really like maybe tearing up. I'd have been tearing up. Peter, do you really love me? Lord, you know I love you. And feed my sheep. Then he goes on to tell Peter how he's gonna die. Three times he had denied Christ, and three times Jesus gave him the opportunity to declare his love for him. Threes with Peter were pretty big. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. You've chosen me, Peter, yes, Lord. Then you have something in your store for you like you can't imagine. I've got something in store for you on the day of Pentecost. You're going to bless so many people when you kick off the church, when you start the church. Talk about launching into the deep. He goes from being a fisherman that has denied Christ, that has turned his back on Jesus, to standing before thousands and thousands of Jews and saying, you killed Jesus. What do do we do, Peter? What do we do? He said, you just repent and be baptized come come, be part of this movement called the New Testament Church. And that day, he had never preached before in his life. That day, 3,000 people had the altar call. And man, they came forward and they gave their life to Jesus Christ. They chose Jesus that day. But what if that day, and when Jesus said, cast out into the deep, Peter said, no, I can't do that. I, I don't want to obey you. What if that would have happened? What if he had not chosen Jesus that day? It's important, guys, that we understand that we need to choose Christ. Verse 13b. This is how it all ends up with, with Solomon. He says, the last and final word is this. Boy, when, you, when you see that, you really want to pay attention. The last and final word is this. Fear God. Do what He tells you. And that's it. Eventually, <laughs> God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. The last thing in the in the last letter in launch is H that's to honor God now honor God to honor means to keep or fulfill an agreement and after all that King Solomon had been through all that he experienced with wealth and women and he had lots of wives and he had everything that he could imagine he built he rebuilt the temple I mean he he had all this incredible wisdom and knowledge after all of that it all boils down to this none of those things mattered none of the, none of those things satisfied he said that what really matters is that I fear God and that I obey His voice. That's what it all boils down to. Because when you fear God, that means you respect Him, you love Him, you, you reverence Him. When you obey God, that means you fear God, you love God, you reverence Him, you obey God out of the, of the love that He's put in your heart to love Him. He's given you the faith to believe. He's given us everything that we need to follow Him. And he says, listen, the final word is, Fear God, trust me, serve me, do what I tell you to do. We make it so complicated, don't we? We just do. I I don't know why we make Christianity complicated. I guess because we have so many people have so many opinions. If you don't believe me, just get on Facebook. (laughs) I have an opinion about everything. But when it boils down to it, God said, love me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's really three commandments. Love God, love yourself, and love others. It's hard to love others if you don't love yourself. And that's what he said to do. He said there's one way to to heaven. You don't have to worry about trying to figure out a lot of ways. There's just one. It's through Jesus, my son. He died for your sins. He said, I think it's in 1 John, he said, you know, my commandments are not even, they're not difficult. We make them difficult he said this is pretty easy love me and love people you know all the commandments have to do with loving him and loving people they all boil down to that and loving our neighbor don't they you don't commit adultery because you love your love your neighbor you don't want to hurt people you don't lie because you don't want to hurt people you don't want to speak you you want all the commandments were given that we might live a great long and satisfying life declare the works of the lord on your parents that wasn't complicated Honor God. Honor Him with your life. It's the last and final word that Solomon gives us. It's all about our choices. It's about if we want if we want to honor God, then He's gonna He's gonna honor us and He's gonna give us a mandate to step out of the boat. That's what He's gonna do and launch out into the deep water. You see, that launching out to catch the fish was one thing, but there was a day coming and there's a storm, and Jesus comes in the middle of the night and he's walking on the water. And all the disciples are in the boat. Man, they're shaking, they're shivering, they're scared. They're, oh, I imagine they're crying. They're, what, what's going on? What's going on? And, and, and there's only one in the boat that says, Hey, that looks cool. That walking on the water thing. Jesus, that is awesome. Can I do that? Can I, Can I? Listen, I'm a fisherman, and I know I'm not supposed to walk on water. I know it's not supposed to hold me up, but it's holding you up. And if where you're at, I want to be where you're at. Can I come out and walk on the water too? And what did Jesus say? <laughs> come on see that's what he's saying to you this morning you say well I want, I'm in the safe boat I want to stay in the safe boat I, I've graduated I, I'm, I'm comfortable in my life I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to I'm, I'm just comfortable I'm just coasting you know and God and God says uh, really do you want you just want to stay there do you want to step out and launch out into the deep water do you want to try something nobody's ever tried before then get out of the boat? So Peter says, "Okay, I think I'll try that." And he steps out of the boat. And I always thought, "What does that have to? What does that feel like? What does that feel like? Solid water, like ice? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't think our minds can fathom it. It was still water. It wasn't solid." And he steps out of the boat and he starts walking. And everybody goes, "You know what? Most people they'll preach on the fact that he looked around at the storm and started to sink." I think that's the most negative way to look at that story of all the ways to look at it. I say, however many steps he made it, that's more than anybody else ever did. He's the only one that got out of the boat, and I think he bragged about that the rest of his life. And they kept saying, well, yeah, but you sunk. Yeah, yeah, but I knew Jesus would catch me. See, here's the thing. When you get out of the boat and you start walking, even if the stuff starts swirling around you, which it will, Jesus is right there. If he said, come, I promise you he will catch you. He only, he's not going to let you drown. You might have to go under a couple of times, but he's going to hold you up, and he's going to say, "Hey, hey, come on! You got more faith in that, Peter? I know you got more faith than that. You got out of the boat. Keep walking." Some of us have gotten out of the boat and we've walked and we started sinking a little bit and we jumped back in the boat. He said, "No, I think he wants us to keep walking toward him, wherever he leads. We need to walk. We need to follow him. We need to choose." Christ we need to honor God we need to live life to the fullest we need to quit listening to the naysayers we need to launch out into the deep that's my challenge for the graduates and my, my challenge for every person that hears my voice today quit settling for whatever you settle for quit settling and start stepping out into your, your god-giving god-given identity you see a life lived apart from Jesus Christ is a wasted life we used to sing a song called wasted years remember that wasted years wasted years oh how foolish live life to the fullest but the only way you're going to live it to the fullest is to live it for jesus would you stand second peter three eighteen is the last thing that we have written by peter after all he'd gone through in life he wrote two great epistles remember he asked to be crucified upside down he said i'm not worthy to be crucified like my lord the last thing he said last thing he wrote down was but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory both now and forever amen see that's the encouragement he left he left all the people he'd ever ministered he said keep growing keep going keep stepping out keep launching out and you do it not for yourself you do it to honor and to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he ends it with, so be it. So that's what I pray over you this morning, that you will get, if you haven't already, you'll launch out into the deep. Whatever that looks like, I don't know, but Holy Spirit does, God does. Launch out, don't be afraid. Step out into your destiny. See, this year, God has said your choice, your destiny is your choice. He wants you to choose him. Him. Let Him lead you and direct you. We have our ministry team into the come to the front real quick, please. And uh, I want to pray over our church body. If you're at home, I want you to receive this this challenge this morning. And right now, I just want to bind up the naysayers, because <laughs> after a message like this, the naysayers and the the premier naysayer will be Satan himself, all right, or his demons. They'll come to come whispering in your ear, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's good, but you're you're good where you're at. No. Let's just say I want to, I'm good where God says I'm at. I want to be where God says me, and where He's leading me. So don't listen to the naysayers. Father, I thank you that you're a God that challenges us, but you don't just challenge us and then just walk away. You challenge us and you come alongside us through your Holy Spirit, the Paracletos. It comes alongside of us and you walk you walk with us. You usher us in to your presence and into your to the purpose you have for our life. So the challenge this morning, Lord, is for us to. Respond to you like Peter did. Lord, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But if you say to throw my net there, I will. I thought I was going to be a fisherman the rest of my life. You said I'm going to catch people. And in one day, 3,000 fish called human beings came into the kingdom of God. God, you're faithful. Even even though Peter failed you, God, you, you, you brought him back in. You said, come on, Peter, we can do this. And he lived a life that was full of you. Lord, may we live a life that's full of you. That blesses the lives of other people. In Jesus' name I pray.